Ready to rock? Yeah. Welcome to episode six of Flip the Record. Six now. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Good, man. What's what's going on with you? <sighs> kind of same old, same old, man. Uh, nothing crazy. Went to a bachelor party last night. Uh, a little quieter than what you might expect, but nothing crazy there. Um, yeah, man. Just kind of been living the dream, getting in the gym, getting get, kind of getting back into like the swing of things. The last few weeks with work and everything have been a little wild, so I'm really just kind of spending the next few days like trying to get myself right and back on track with like working out, eating right, stuff like that, so... I like it. Not super exciting, but here we are. I like it. Get back or get into Foo Fighters? Yeah, let's do it. So today's group uh, has been nominated for 32 Grammys. They won 15. I think the most impressive out of all their Grammys is uh, they have their five-time winners of Best Rock Album. Yeah. Um, some of their other Grammy wins include Best Rock Song, which they won twice, uh, Short Form Music Video. Uh, I mean, they're career has been nothing less of incredible they've got over 10 billion youtube views well over 10 billion spotify streams and they were inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame in 2021 uh and that was their first year of eligibility so foo fighters let's get into it love these guys these guys have been doing it fucking right since the mid 90s uh obviously these guys came on a little bit after nirvana uh you know dave grohl is in nirvana for a long time 1994 that ends and then 1995 they pick it right up with foo fighters um well, you might not find the most like insane uh, musical playing in this band. Dave is a musical savant, and his organizing and his tempo and like creative ways to find different sounds that that also fit the rock and like the Foo Fighters mold is what makes this band so special. Um, I also think what makes this band really special is the the songwriting, the lyricism. Like they have a lot of songs that they're they're not really like you have to dive into the lyrics a little bit to see like all right what he's kind of talking about and you, there's a couple different interpretations you can make but th- there's so many good songs where it's just like lyrically uh, and sonically it, it comes together and there's so many classics and so many hit songs from their catalog. Yeah, Dave's the architect of this whole thing. He he's a fucking genius, man. I, I'm so excited to get into this. Yeah, this was I do want to say before we start this, and I think I mentioned this last week. This was a group where. Similar to Shinedown, I had maybe like five to ten songs saved from like their like, you know, greatest hits or whatever. Um, and now I've got like 90 songs saved, like pretty much three fourths of, of most of the albums. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, their sound changes from album to album. And, you know, they've got what, how, you know, 10 plus albums, like a vast majority of the albums, like you could save well over three fourths of the songs. Yeah. For the first, uh, let's call it eight albums, you could save almost all of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, before we get into album number one here, two quick fun facts. One, Dave Grohl actually almost joined Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as, as their drummer in 1994. But <laughs> that would have been kind of wild. Yeah, he eventually opted out, or you know, opted yeah, to, right, to start right, his own right. band. Uh, and then the other fun fact about about the Foo's is uh, Chris Novoselic almost considered joining Foo Fighters oh, too. Oh, that would have been fucking nuts as the bassist, but he felt it would be kind of awkward and weird after you know Kurt Cobain's death. Yeah, and as far as I know, he never really did anything after Nirvana. He kind of just faded into the ether. Uh, yeah, there's a couple songs where he actually plays guest bass or guest guitar throughout the, the Foo's catalog. That's sick. I might have only noted it down like once or twice. Um, and there, there's a couple artists like Paul McCartney plays a couple songs with them too. I I tried to note like the popular ones. There there might be a couple more that I don't note throughout this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 
But uh, that's a lot, a lot of the Sonic Highways stuff. He really gets a lot of stuff from different kinds of artists and all right. the different genres. And that's part of the, what I was talking about, where he's this musical savant. He takes so many influences from all, like the whole range of music, from classical to, to classic rock to country to to all sorts of different stuff. It just mixes it into his sound, man. These guys are so fucking cool. Absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll get started with the... Let me start this way, right? So uh, Nirvana's kicking along. 1991, Nevermind comes out. Um, and then 1993, In Utero comes out. Between the two albums, uh, Dave starts kind of playing around and, and mixing some demos uh, for some stuff that he's kind of maybe thinking about doing on a solo side project. Um, after a little while, he starts sh- tepidly starts showing these to Kurt. Um, there's mixed reports about Kurt's response to that. Uh, one article I read, it, it was kind of told the story about how Kurt was sitting in a bathtub and Dave came in and started playing these songs and Kurt was so effusive with his praise that he like kissed him on the head. Um, one thing to note there is that Judas also kissed Jesus on the head. Um, and then, the, you know, other reports that Kurt maybe wasn't so thrilled that after just joining the band in 1991, in 1992, he's already kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, a side project would be cool. Yeah, I also read some some mixed uh, emotions from Kurt on, on Dave's stuff, too. But it, going back to Nirvana, it wouldn't shock me if he was a, a bit... Um, if he praised uh, Dave for wanting to like stretch out a little bit because Kurt was so like effusive with praise for for all sorts of different artists that he was he was you know pumping up. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting had you know Kurt not uh, have died the way he did, like to see how that band would have developed with the two of them in there. Because eventually, like I don't know if Dave would have left the band to go start his own stuff, but eventually Dave would have been like, all right, like I want to do my. I think I want to put out a solo album or, you know, whatever the case may be. And in that vein, too, it's interesting when you listen to the first, we'll say the first two albums, there's a a handful of songs in these first two albums that sound like Nirvana songs that wouldn't have shocked me uh, if they had been played in Nirvana instead of Foo Fighters. Um, Sure. Yeah, I could see that with with a handful of songs. So uh, and that kind of so then uh, Kurt dies in 1994. Nirvana's effectively over. A year later, 1995, Foo Fighters is born. They put out their first album, self-titled Foo Fighters. Yeah, so starting with this album, Dave Grohl actually played every part of every instrument, less one guitar part from uh, Greg of Afghan Wings, which, again, is is just really cool, the fact that he played every single instrument, literally, you know, 98, 9% of the album himself. Again, another another tribute to his, his fucking musical genius. Yeah, so uh, I figure we, I mean, I've got notes on pretty much every song. Yeah, we want to just go. We can go one by one here and uh, right, kind of get do into it. it. So uh, this is a call is a, the first song on the album. The lyrics are, are kind of weird to this song. I don't know if you picked up on this, but some of the lyrics are fingernails are pretty. Fingernails are good. Uh, Ritalin is easy. Ritalin is good. Visiting is easy. Visiting is good. This was the lead single off the album. Um, I guess when I looked up like the meaning and interpretations of lyrics, it's it served as a hello and a thank you to everyone who played a role in, in Dave Grohl's life. Uh, he, he actually said himself, the verses are nonsense, but the chorus means everything. It's a call to my past resignations. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is kind of music salad. Um, 
But it is kind of a again, this, it's kind of the same vein of Linkin Park where like when you kick off and you immediately have your sound. This is immediately Foo Fighters sound. Uh, kind of this like soft, not soft, but like middle tuned like sound through the verses and then really picking it up into the chorus. Um, God, this is such a, such a great way to... The first three or four songs on this album, such a great way to start the band, man. Um, this is a call. It's a sweet song. But yeah, musical sound. Yeah, for sure. So the second track is I'll Stick Around, which is a good song. The vocals are, in my opinion, it's hard to hear like the vocals. like It's like super turn, uh, tuned down. Um, so this song, Dave actually admitted this was aimed at Courtney Love. <laughs> he, he said uh, <laughs> some of the lyrics in this song expressed his resentment and suspicion towards her, such as... I don't owe you anything, and how could it be I'm the only one who sees your rehearsed insanity? Which is a cool line. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, he does this on a few songs through the catalog where he, he kind of just, like, slides in little jabs at her. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. Yeah, and it's funny, like, uh, on some songs he'll, like, admit it, and then other songs he's like, I don't want <laughs> like, to talk about that. You can make your own interpretations, but you know how I feel about this person. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things. As he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bit softer in his old age. Uh, so I don't think he harbors such resentment as he might have in, in 1995, you know. And I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah. right. At some point, you got to move on a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll Stick Around is a little bit heavier. Um, fucking love this song, too. Another hit off this album. Yeah, so next, third track, one of my favorite songs off the album. Yeah, this is cool. Big Me. This is... Uh, uh, let me let me just pull up the album right here. I'll play like a snip. Yeah, a quick snippet here because even it sounds like a kind of like a pop song almost, but it it's just super catchy. Um, yeah, I, this is an awesome song. Well, and I I think it was kind of intended to be poppy, right? So we talked a little bit. Pre, uh, earlier today about how that so the the god i'm losing it uh the music video for that song right the music video is a play on an old mentos commercial and it's got this like kind of jingly sound to it and it's real like campy kind of uh like stupid commercial but it had this like this like cult following almost because it was so like kind of campy and stupid um so then foo fighters does the music video for this album or for this song and uh, it's a play on the Mentos commercial. And you see the guys doing, like, the same kind of things they're doing in the Mentos commercial. And they're advertising these, like, fake candies called Futus. Or I would Futos. say Futos. Yeah. Futos. Uh, and it's just kind of like a like a joke on the whole thing. It's a, a cool fucking song. Uh, that, I think that's part of why it's so poppy is it's, like, supposed to be jingly, you know? Yeah. And so Dave actually said on this song... Um, we had some difficulty finding a treatment that would suit the song for the music video, which is a short, tongue-in-cheek, ridiculously candy-coated pop tune. We didn't want to make this big, pretentious portrait video. Yeah. We wanted to make fun of ourselves in the song. Yeah. So, and in the um, the music video, like, for the, the Futos commercials or whatever, it's like, I, I don't remember, uh, do you remember any of, like, the the different examples where it's like you know, something's going bad and then they pull out the futos and then it like reverses on itself. I'm pretty sure like one guy was walking into the middle of the street. He was about to get hit by a car and the, like one of the guys saves him and he kind of like shows the futos into the camera, uh, you know, stuff like that. Just kind of like ridiculous situations. Yeah. Uh, so th this was one of the ones, I believe this one, um, it was either an MTV music video award or, or a Grammy for like best music video. Uh, 
the success of this video, fun fact, led to fans throwing Mentos at the band whenever they played the song live. And uh, for an expend- extended period of time, the band stopped playing the song live because it hurt. We, The, the, the quote from Grohl here is, we, we did stop playing that song for a while because honestly, it's like being stoned. Those little things are like pebbles. They hurt. And uh, the band only started to change its mind actually after Weezer started playing the song. Yeah, that's a cool little note here. Yeah. Uh, so they were touring with Weezer in like 2007, 2008, I think. And Weezer or Rivers Cuomo was like, "Hey, like I know you guys don't play this song, but you care if we do." And Weezer's not shy to pick up a, a cover here or there. Um, and so Dave was kind of like, "Yeah, I guess go for it, man. If you want to get fucking stoned on stage, go nuts." Uh, and so Weezer started playing it in, in their tour. And then after a while, they were like, "You know what? Ah, we'll just we'll just throw it in here and there," which is cool. Yeah, this is uh, an awesome song. And the other note I had on this was when uh, you texted me to watch the music video, and I was like, oh, I already, already watched it. And then you're like, I've never had Mentos before. Yeah, so I mean, my, is that like, who eats Mentos? No, no, no. So that's great. My wife literally said, she's like, I was homeless at one point in my life, and even I had Mentos when I was <laughs> when I was homeless. Uh, Okay, so on, on my rankings of candy, right? So this falls into the sweet category, so I'll leave the chocolates out of it. But like... Mentos to me sounds like something your grandparents might have laying around the house. Well, speaking of laying around the house, I bought some just so you could try one here. Mentos mint. The, so the uh, the mints. The, I mean, this is good. The fruit ones, in my opinion, are some of the all time. Like that's a great candy. They have like a pink and orange and a yellow. Is it like chewy? Yeah, you can you can suck on it or you can chew it. Uh, I usually I suck on the first one and then I chew the second one. So the only thing I ever bought Mentos for ever was the fucking when you were in like fifth grade and you wanted to make a Coke can go flying dog. And you, yeah, you didn't try it. Of course. No, I didn't try it. I threw them all in the can. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? <laughs> you're, you're a science nerd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big science guy over here. All right, but, let's give this a try. Yeah. Live on air. First, first Mento ever. Tastes like mint gum. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. I don't know, man. This is never something I would pick up at the store and just be like, I'm really craving a fucking Mentos today. Yeah, I think uh, my dad always had them when we were growing up. So, it, like, because uh, he smokes or whatever, so he'd always have, like, the Mentos after ah, to, to help with his breath. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he would always, you know, his, every time he'd be like, oh, you guys want a Mentos? And I'm like, yeah, like, give us give us two. I wouldn't turn it down, however. It's just not <laughs> something I would ever pick up. <laughs> yeah. So. Wild. Uh, but yeah, that's big me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that might have been one of the longer song discussions we've had, but that was that's a good one. So up next is Alone plus Easy Target. Uh, this this was also released as a as a single for the album. Well, let me fill in. All right, yeah. Uh, Alone and Easy Target. It's a good song, not a great song. Uh, one of the things they struggled with on this album a little bit, and Dave talked about it later on, is. He said something to the effect of when I listen back to this album, it kind of sounds like a dem- like the whole thing's a demo. Um, part of that is because it was. Um, and part of it is it just kind of happens that way for a lot of bands. When you're making your first record, it's not like mastered and edited to the to the nth degree. Um, and it, it's. They're certainly still kind of like figuring out their musical sound. Um, I would say this album has. Not a lot of different sounds, but they try some different things on this album. Um, and so they're still kind of try, like trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, yeah. 
and so this this song is it, it's it's kind of this grungy hard rock song, nice little rhythm through the middle. Um, yeah, it's not mastered perfectly. What I don't like about some of the songs on this album is, especially the guitar, it sounds really buzzy, like through the album. Um, and you'll see him clean it up a little bit later. Um, but that's just nitpicking. Yeah, I like the song. So I don't, I don't have my notes, but I remember now uh, this this was one of the songs where it was actually uh, interpreted to be about Nirvana, but like that Dave was showing Kurt some of his songs in, in what he was working on. Kurt's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like he wasn't really giving it like the yeah. time of day. Yeah. or So in some of the lyrics in this one are uh, I want out, which is interpreted to be about Nirvana. Like when he wrote this, mm. I'm alone and I'm an easy target. Did you ever listen? Did you ever listen? Get out, get out, get out. Oh, see, that's interesting. I kind of took it as like a like a relationship song, but that's that's an interesting twist on that. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but if you want to go, just leave, dude. Like, if if you if, if being so successful in this big famous rock band Nirvana is so shitty, like, just leave. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It, it you could interpret it either way, but I think he had written this one a year or two prior. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so. After that, it's good grief. Good grief. Another uh, standout track on the album to me. Um, a song about feeling defeated and let down in life, possibly in response to you know Kurt Cobain's suicide and just the mental state that that Dave Grohl was in at that time. Yes, uh, musically here, it's kind of the same thing as the last song. To be honest, it's grungy, hard. Um, again, with the guitar, it's not super well edited, um, but this song's good enough. I to me this this is one of my favorites. I love this song. Yeah, I mean, sound wise, it's great. I just I, sometimes like like I'll, I'll if I listen to this album a few more times, I'd probably appreciate it more. I just I keep getting like the first couple times I listened to it, I got stuck on like yeah, it does it sounds demoy. Gotcha. Next up is floaty. Yeah. So, uh, well, did you want to talk about how like the Foo Fighters name of the band? I don't think we talked about that yet. Uh, just a little bit on that. Yeah, so Foo Fighters is kind of a play on like uh, uh, alien researchers or alien hunters. Um, again, kind of gimmicky, kind of kind of goofy, jokey. Um, but that's what it's about there. Yeah, and this song it was inspired by a dream that Dave Grohl had uh, about UFOs coming to Earth and, and starting a new age of man. Oh, so okay, the lyrics okay. are. He said the lyrics on this were intentionally like spacey and, and kind of general. Gotcha. Um, and the song itself is about floating away and coming back down to the ground. So very, you know, yeah, you get the, the alien uh, references there. Yeah. Not a huge fan of this song. Honestly, my note here was kind of nonsense. LOL. Yeah. Um, th this is not one of the standout ones. No, for sure. no, nothing special here. Um, moving on to next, we have Weenie Beanie. These guys are there. These are just goofing around this whole album. This is uh, for me. This is one of my least favorite Foo Fighter songs. I think in their entire catalog. Yee. Okay, so one thing they do that I kind of like, and there's other bands that do this. Uh, notably, Stone Temple Pilots does this. Is like, there's a section. I think it's through the middle where he kind of sings. Like he, he does that scream thing. Um, it almost sounds like he's singing into a bullhorn. Um, and yeah. So. I think this is this song sounds like he's singing through a walkie-talkie. Yeah, that's another good way of putting it. Really distorted, kind of buzzy vocal. Um, it's kind of again grungy. This this is one of the songs I I noted feels like a Nirvana song. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a cool song enough. Yeah. Here, let me 
Like you can't even make out, you know, what he's saying. Yeah, but real hard and heavy. Um, just musically cool for me. Yeah. So, uh, and one more fun fact: Dave Grohl said this song was named after a hot dog stand he went to as a kid. So, it is a cool name. Weenie, <laughs> the can goofy man. <laughs> right. I mean, the, right. the Foo Fighters don't take themselves too seriously, no, which is, no, no. is cool. Well, for now they don't. Well, 1995 Foo Fighters do not take themselves seriously at all. <laughs> Fair. Let's talk again in 2017. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so up next is Oh George, uh, g- good song. It's a when I was looking in the lyrics of this, it, some people say it's a tribute to George Harrison of the Beatles, oh, one okay. of one of Dave Grohl's favorite Beatle. Um, the guitar riff from this song is actually based on the Beatles song Something, and uh, yeah, the, I mean the lyrics don't really talk; they they don't seem to be directly related to, to George Harrison, but um, that just seems like it's more about like a failed relationship or like a. Uh, an addiction that makes sense I, I my note for this song is it felt kind of poppy um middle tempo here nothing crazy um so it, it, you know if it is kind of a beatles tribute then that kind of makes sense beatles are like a the quintessential pop rock band right so um not my favorite here but all these songs are good songs uh no doubt so. yeah for for the most part and I, I think there's one or two on here that i didn't like save but yeah there's one towards the end i'm not in love with well maybe two <laughs> yeah but so, most of these songs are pretty sick yeah the next song for all the cows uh it's a decent song it's kind of kind of like the the lyrics are kind of weird it's it's about being a vegetarian in a meat-eating world and uh dave wrote it when he was high on mushrooms is what he said <laughs> uh in some of the lyrics or no sorry uh quote from him i'm called the cow and i'm not about to blow it now for all the cows my kind is all run out oh no that was the lyrics yeah and then Doja Kong or Doja Cat made a response where she sings, "Bitch, I'm a cow." Moo. Uh, no, <laughs> um, this is another one of the songs I put down. They had that Nirvana sound kind of to it, um, but it's a it's an acoustic acoustic open. Gets a little bit heavier towards the end. Um, good song here. Yeah. Uh, next song also good. X Static. This is the one song where uh, they had that guitar part. That wasn't played okay, by Dave gotcha. Grohl. That kind of makes sense. Greg Delinsky from Afghan Wings. Um, so this song is about being addicted to something that makes you feel bad. In uh, the the name of this song, he named it after a brand of socks that he liked. <laughs> Goofballs, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of makes sense that that uh, Dave didn't play on play guitar on this out or this song because um, kind of what I said earlier. I think Dave is a musical savant. I don't think he's technically like the most awesome guitarist ever. Uh, what he does awesome on guitar is kind of like orchestrating it. Um, but listening to most of his stuff, the guitar is fairly simple. Um, so it doesn't shock me that on a song like this where the guitar gets kind of revved up a little bit, he didn't play it. Especially, you know, just first album, just kind of getting getting their feet in the water a little bit. Makes sense. Um, notes I had here, this is another song I could kind of get a Nirvana feel on this one. Uh, a little mumbly, but pretty heavy through the, through the middle and good song yeah this is one of the ones i i enjoyed uh quite a bit so next one watershed this was one of the ones i didn't really care for i'll oh, see i like this song it's uh a bit heavier about having a nervous breakdown yeah that's it um uh, they pick up the pace way the fuck up here uh really hard and heavy on this one uh really cool guitar work on this one too 
the fucking uh, the intro kind of like uh, lead in lick. So fucking sick, man. Um, I kind of like this song. Um, no, I'll just say I like this song. Not not love it. I like it. Good song. Yeah, here. That's fair. Again, Nirvana feel here. Yeah. So then it closes out the album with Exhausted. And this song is about five minutes and 50 seconds. I think it's 551 to be exact. And it's lyrically, like, when I when I went to look at the lyrics, it's only, like, 16 yeah, lines Yeah, there's of, nothing much lyrics. here. Yeah. It's, and uh, this is, like, the first kind of, like, the Foo Fighters do this, like, throughout their entire catalog, where it's, like, a long song. It's you know, And they mix it up, where sometimes it's slow, and then it, it builds up at the end, and it gets heavy. That's something I'll talk about later, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they keep it slow the whole way through. But this is, like, the first glimpse into those types of songs. Uh, I, I love this song. It's got like a uh, this song has like a almost like a staticky like background. Yeah, this song is like a, a slightly more polished version of "Endless Nameless" by Nirvana, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, it's got that that same kind of feel where the first half of the song, uh, Dave's kind of like real low te- or not low tempo, low tone, singing into the mic, doesn't say much, and then the second half of the song is all just uh, instrumental work. Uh, and it doesn't really have like a defined direction either. Um, musically cool. Not my favorite song on the album, but uh, something to listen to here for sure. Yeah, and lyrically, it's about like just Dave Grohl's like mental state at the time. Like he was exhausted, like having to deal with like the the rise and fall of Nirvana essentially. And um, I don't know, like once you hear like what the song's about, and it kind of makes sense. It kind of goes along with the music and just like kind of wraps up the album. Yeah, I can see that, man. It's uh. Anytime somebody so close to you dies, then you turn right around a year later, uh, Mike Shinoda, um, and you, you're putting out new music, all new music. That's uh, a lot. And you're playing every instrument on every song. It's a lot. I can see that. That's yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So I guess before we get into the next album, my favorites from this one were Big Me, Good Grief, Ecstatic, uh, and then Exhausted. My least favorite, Weenie Beanie and Watershed. Yeah. See, I, I love the first four tracks. This is a call. I'll stick around. Big Me, Alone, Easy Target. Um, like I said, I, I liked uh, Watershed a lot. Uh, Weenie Beanie and Old George, I could kind of do without. Um, yeah, good album. For sure. Good good debut album. Yeah, good, not great. Yeah, so next album here is The Color and the Shape, 1997. Um, the first track on this is is Doll. It's, it's pretty much just an, kind of an intro track. There, I mean, there's some lyrics to it. It's a shorter one. It's about or interpreted to be about Dave Grohl's divorce at the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the, the As an opening track, it was eh. Just a short kind of lullaby feel intro. Nothing right. crazy. Which is weird when they when they go next into Monkey Wrench, <laughs> which is this hard, like, thrashing song that doesn't stop from second one of the song. He gets right into it on guitar, just fucking going nuts. And the whole song, the whole band's going nuts. I fucking love Monkey Wrench. Yeah, Monkey Wrench, I, this was released as one of the singles. This this track blew up. It was one of the hits off the album. Great song uh, about realizing that you're kind of the source of all the problems in a relationship. And, um, yeah, just, like, sometimes, like, realizing, like, you, you might be the problem. You should leave the relationship just to kind of, for the for better. Fun quick note. I was kind of watching some of the uh, the music videos, and I came along this one. And in this one, it's a little bit less exciting. There's nothing crazy. Um, but the intro, there's a guy, and it's one of the band members. He's, like, walking into an apartment building. And he gets into the elevator to go up to his apartment. And uh, in the elevator, on this, like, kind of, like, 
keyboard, like really synth keyboard, uh, like poppy sound is the tune to Big Me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So that that goes for like 10, 15 seconds, and then it gets out of the elevator, and then like it's not again nothing crazy. Most it's mostly just watching the band kind of thrash around in a room. That's awesome. I think this song too. Dave lets out a legendary scream that oh, lasts yeah. like I, I, 20, 30 seconds. Like he screams like it's like multiple lines where he just he's screaming going from line to line, and it's um it's it's pretty badass it's crazy to think that this song even like picked up energy as the song went along but by the end he's fucking letting it all hang out man yeah let me let me uh if i can find it in like two seconds i mean it's towards the end probably the last 30 40 seconds yeah that's what i was thinking And there's probably 10 seconds before that that I didn't play. Just a, a truly great song. Yeah. If, if anybody inspired Chester, man, Chester Bennington, uh, you could maybe point to something like this to, to kind of like see the see where it comes from. Uh, it's so fucking sick. Yeah. Um, so then it gets into Hey, Johnny Park. So fun fact about the song name here. Johnny Park was one of uh, Dave's friends growing up that he had like lost touch with. Okay. So he named the song like hoping that the guy would like just see it and be like, <laughs> "Oh, like the, the the Foo Fighters put out a new album. Like, what? Why is my name on here? Like, and uh, uh, yeah, like I know I knew Dave growing up, and then like kind of reconnect. Yeah. I don't know if it eventually happened. I'm sure with yeah, I mean, probably yeah. their success, probably. Yeah. But um, lyrically, the song is not directly re- related to this guy Johnny Park at all. It's just kind of random. Like, yeah, my my take was it, it was kind of like a selfish lover song. Like, like. I don't know quite else how else to describe that. That's that's kind of how I felt about the lyrics. But yeah, it's a little jumbled. Um, there's a sick guitar in, like intro to this song that's pretty fucking cool. Um, otherwise, just good hard rock here. Yeah, this is one of the few tracks they use a synthesizer on too. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, th- this album. So I guess let me let me talk about this album a little bit. Um, they really polished themselves from album one to album two so color in the shape is a much more polished sound um i talked a lot about the buzzing of the guitar and the the mic on the last album this album doesn't really have any of that unless it's on purpose um and even with like adding little things in like the synth um they're they're doing a lot lot better just work here Um, yeah there's i i don't I don't know if it's okay. I don't. I don't think it's this album. But there's another album where they do a song with like a talk box too. Uh, it's not. It's 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 in the next album. But yeah, this album it does. It's extremely polished up compared to the last one. Yeah, compared to the last one, it's still got that that kind of like distorted grunge feel through some of the songs here, um, but much cleaner. Also on this album, they kind of experiment with like they're still in my opinion, trying to figure out, like, their sound. And I think they find it with, like, the success of, like, My Hero and, yeah, and Everlong yep. and Monkey Wrench. But there are some songs, like, towards the back half of this album that are very forgettable that are, like, they're they're experimenting with different sounds. And it's like, okay, I think there's a couple – there's, like, three songs in a row where, like, I think they kind of, like, tried it out and they're like, ah, I don't know. This probably didn't work. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with that. Um, yeah. For sure. They're still trying things out here. They haven't. They haven't, like – zoned in on the sound yet uh, but they're getting there 
yeah so next song here wind up it's a average song um dave Grohl wrote this as a reaction to the just the music industry in, in general and how he hates he, he quoted how i fucking hate doing interviews <laughs> that doesn't surprise me i feel like that's a retort of like every fucking musical artist that gets a, a lick of fame well especially rocks like i don't know I yeah like rock stars too is yeah like, they're too cool for school um this is another one where i kind of got a nirvana feel here um Nice guitar work through the middle here. Nothing crazy. Good song. Yeah. So then it jumps to... Hold on. We skipped one. We skipped My Poor Brain, I think. Oh, you're right. We did. My bad. Uh, My Poor Brain is definitely more on the grunge side. Um, real, like, weird kind of distorted guitars through through the whole song. Um, real, real strong Nirvana vibe here. It also shifts between, like, quiet verses and really loud choruses, which is... When they do it right, I think Foo Fighters is like it, it's unstoppable. Yeah, so that's something I, I guess now is a good time to bring it up. So, what one of the things that Foo Fighters does really, really well, and again back to Dave being so brilliant on on music, he uses the the kind of like crescendo tempo and this like up and down tempo so well, so well, uh, where he leads in a lot of songs uh, where it's kind of a softer or like mid sound intro. And then really, really picks up the energy and the sound, like gets a little heavier towards the chorus and either like leans fully into it towards the end or just keeps going up and down. And then by the end, he, he's up on the high end again. Yeah, I think one of the best examples of this that we'll get to later is Let It Die. Like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Amazing song. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Just the. Yeah, like you said, just slowly picking it up, and at the end, he's just screaming into the mic. Yeah, man, they're, it's fucking brilliant. Especially, like I said, if if he's not uh, if he's not a legend on the axe, then this is how they make up for it. Certainly, and yeah. So back to my poor poor brain. This is uh, just a song about at the time. Dave's like, yeah, I just feel like you know. Sometimes you feel like you're going crazy. So yeah, this gotcha. Song kind of reflects that. Uh, so then jumping forward to Up in Arms here, uh, kind of a unique song. He. He's like whispering into the mic again, like yeah. This is what quiet. I was just talking about with the crescendo tempo. Yeah, um, I think this one's about getting back with a a girl that you were previously with, and then um, you know being head over heels in love with someone. This is quite a few songs like that, but yeah, um, you kind of hit on, nothing crazy. You hit on my note here. The only thing I want to add, uh, there's a pretty sick like kind of old school feel solo at the end here that I really really like. Um, it's got that like '70s rock kind of vibe. Um, and that's something we'll touch on throughout here too, is he picks up little bits here and there from all sorts of different like walks. And this is where he, he kind of threw in a little classic at the, at the end here, um, to put a little spice on the song. Yeah. And speaking of picking up things from a bunch of different people, the next song on this album is my hero, which, uh, Dave said, it's about all the people he's loved in his life that, you know, have since moved on. Uh, not necessarily about Kurt, although Kurt is certainly in that vein. Um, one of their best songs. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, super emotional. Um, cool drum work here. The song just kind of opens with the drums uh, popping away. Um, high, high tempo, not high tempo, mid tempo, but high tune. Uh, not so much screaming, but like yelling emotionally through the chorus um really really cool fucking song yeah 
uh yeah definitely you can feel the emotion and and i just want to back up although dave said this song isn't directly about kurt that uh there's certainly an element of kurt in the song is what he had said right right and like you said it's it's a song about like losing your heroes uh kind of seeing them go in different directions or or die or whatever well, and just kind of appreciating them too yeah exactly um super super cool song one of the hits off this album yeah so next song uh is see you which is this so dave said he wrote this song with the intention of it contrasting with most of the rest of the album and it's it is he said like it's a you know it's jangly guitar and a catchy chorus it's very poppy so he wrote it with that intention but i still don't really like this song yeah my note here is literally nothing it says (laughs) nothing there um nothing for me here it's just a mess song yeah uh we can jump to the next one uh enough space another decent song this this is a song where i i just noted that this is maybe not their best song but it's got that classic foo fighters sound yeah so this is one of the few songs dave Grohl said he wrote the song with a specific like setting in mind yeah as opposed to like a something else and he, the setting for this was like performing in front of like fifty thousand people live 100 percent. i could totally see that this is just a good hard rock song not super like not super heavy just good solid hard rock here yeah and it is cool like with this like how he mixes up like some songs he's you know he's writing from like uh just like an introspective some songs he's writing about relationships some songs he's writing about like different settings like Again, I think lyrically, the Foo Fighters, and I don't want to just say Dave Grohl because on a lot of the songs, it's a whole band that works on writing the yeah, song. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so just the, the band as a whole, like, songwriting is, is great. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt there. Uh, not much to add. Yeah. So next song is February Stars. Uh, Ballady. Uh, yeah. Slower. It's fine. It's not their best ballad, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's a, it, it starts off acoustic, and then it... Picks up uh, towards the end, yeah. Yeah, picks up towards the end. Dave Grohl wrote it just, it's about being in, you know, dark times, hanging on by the skin of your teeth. Um, the song itself uses metaphors of hanging on, gambling, building walls, and, and uh, yeah, the February stars represent the cold and lonely nights of, uh, you know, hoping for change, so. Yeah, it's a nice, when you're, when you're listening to this album all the way through, it's a nice song. Uh, don't think I'd put it on my playlist, but it's a nice song. Yeah uh next up walking after you so this is where i kind of thought you were going to talk about a few songs that you could throw away oh i think you skipped everlong oh did i yeah my notes here I, <laughs> so, so so if i do that throughout this episode i only took notes on the songs i didn't know oh okay all right so so next song here is everlong arguably their best song certainly one of the top top three top five whatever you want to call it yeah yeah i mean open to interpretation but the everlong is so fucking sick man yeah, so Everlong's about being connected to someone so much that, you know, not only do you love them physically and spiritually, but uh, when you sing along with them, you harmonize perfectly. That was a quote from Dave Grohl here. Uh, he, he wrote this for his first wife. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's really cool. Like, the music here, the, the instruments are nothing special. It's just kind of the same couple, like, heavy chords. Uh, not heavy chords, but, like, they are heavy chords, but they're not like loud, um, just soft, heavy chords um, through the whole song. And obviously you could hear this acoustically, too, and it would sound just as well. Um, but again, Dave pouring so much emotion into this song, um, especially through the chorus where he picks it up a little bit. Uh, really, really cool fucking song. Yeah. And the like, so this is the one that I'm trying to learn for the guitar to play on the outro okay, for this. Okay, um, okay. The guitar for like the 
like the riff is, is it's pretty pretty easy to pick up it's just like there he adds like some accents to it where yeah, it's like yeah. uh he strums like the first note on a couple and then he'll play like the whole chord and so it's it is kind of simple but it's cool at the same time when you add like the accents yeah yeah, yeah. And another fun fact about this song, uh, David Letterman asked the Foo Fighters to play this on his last episode because he loved the song so much. Damn, yeah. And if you see online, there's a video of it. it they they do like an eight-minute version of this song where they're just jamming. And they and then they have like Letterman's like highlights and clips in the background. It's it's pretty sweet. Letterman's cool, dude. I mean, I'm obviously a little bit before my time, but uh, just the clips I've seen of him, like a huge fan of rock music. And the fact that he's like... He was pretty old at the time. He had to have been in his seventies, eighties, um, and still bringing on newer bands like Foo Fighters and stuff to 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 play on his show and like really really appreciating them. Letterman's a cool dude. Yeah, so he had it. He had them play this on his final show, and then also his first show back after heart surgery. Oh yeah, doesn't he have like a Netflix or an HBO show or something? Is that what you're talking about? Or no, this was for his late. Oh night. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So again, just a, a classic, classic Foo Fighter song here. Hell yeah, fucking love this song. So then it gets into Walking After You, which okay, you had alluded to. Th- this is the, the three or four song stretch where I'm like, oh, they're kind of experimenting with different sounds. And I, I don't it doesn't really work. Yeah, it's not for everybody here. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on the John Mayer album where you said you weren't a huge fan of like the kind of folky old school country uh, type sound. And I think this is kind of some of that. My note here was it sounded a little bit like an Eagles sound uh, or an Eagles uh, song. Uh, but ballady, little soft love song here, uh, kind of campfire music. It's cool. Yeah. So th- this one is is the I'd say of the last three tracks here. This one I like the most. It's like you said, a, a slow kind of ballad about lose, uh, losing someone you love. And then the next song, "New Way Home." Lyrically, it's good. It's about you know just finding a, a new way home when when things in life change. Um, I don't know. Sound wise, it's meh. Yeah, but they do, again they do a good job of, of the build up here. Um, soft soft intro, hard out, uh, cool song. Yeah, and then it closes with the color and the shape. So the you know named after the album. I th- I think this is my least favorite or one of my least favorite tracks. Yeah, and this was actually added on like the bonus edition of this album. So oh really? Yeah, this is a bonus track. Um, it's got that same endless nameless kind of sound to it. Um, real like fucked up distorted guitar uh, a lot of dave screaming into the mic here uh, a little is there some cool work on guitar here but i just like overall the the overall of this song kind of like draws me out of it and i'm like ah, i just I can't, I can't get into it yeah and he said he wrote this song ironically like about it's supposed to be about like the average like redneck like macho male uh <laughs> it doesn't he's like yeah the song itself doesn't really mean anything so Okay. I'm glad that you said that it was included as a bonus track because I was my when I was listening to it, I was like, what a weird way to kind of close out the album. Yeah, New Way Home is a little bit better. Um, yeah. Self-titled or not self-titled, but same same title as the album bonus track. It's fine. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. So good, really good album. Um, obviously, Everlong, My Hero, Monkey Wrench, and then I also like Johnny Park, My Poor Brain. Yeah, you checked all my boxes there. Yeah. So great album all right so then so that was 1997 uh, we'll move two years later to 1999 there's nothing left to lose yeah so the album cover on this they actually use one of dave Grohl's tattoos so the album cover is like it's like a guy and then the back of his neck and there's like the ff 
tattooed in the neck. Yeah, so. this is kind of like one of Foo Fighters' classic logos right here. This little FF tattoo. Um, they do it in different colors and whatnot, but uh, the album cover is all black and white. Here, it's just a picture of the back of a guy's head with a Foo Fighters like FF tattoo on the back of his neck. It's nice, um, but it is cool that they use that logo like going forward. Like you'll see that on drum covers and shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So first song on this this album is Stacked Actors, which is all right for me. It's uh, the verses are eh, and then the chorus is kind of picks up, and the chorus is really good. the The song, if you you know, you can kind of guess it's about like the fake people in Hollywood, and Dave Grohl was living in L.A. at the time, so. Yeah, I mean, this is just a good solid start to the album, in my opinion. Um, as as like an opener, I think it's a good song. Uh, I like I really like the chorus. I thought the chorus was kind of catchy here. Yeah, I I do like the the riff is really catching the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Um good start here. Nothing crazy. Yeah. So then it gets into Breakout which has uh let me just I'll just play the first The intro to this song is so so fucking cool. Yeah, it's like this super distorted I don't know how to describe it. Just a distorted guitar would be my. It's 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 like a dreamy like uh, yeah. Boulevard of Broken Dreams kind of vibe. Dreamy is a good way of putting it. I I wrote down hollow. Uh, I don't know how else to describe that. It just like it doesn't have the same crunch. Um, it's like this really clean kind of synthy distorted guitar. Um, the cool shit here. Um, but this is a heaviest. This song is heavy as fuck, man. <laughs> like again, they so they start in the in the mid tune, mid tempo kind of thing um, with that distorted guitar. Um, by the end, this is again Dave screaming his fucking lungs out. Um, ah, God, I love this song. Yeah, this is a really cool track. Uh, fun fact on this: it was featured in in the movie Me, Myself, and Irene, starring Jim Carrey. And the, <laughs> okay. so the music video for this song uh, parodies the movie with Grohl playing <laughs> a, char- a character that has split personalities. Okay. So I, again, going back to the Foo Fighters, they they make some really like unique and kind of funny music videos. Yeah, goofballs, man. That's all there is to it. Yeah, like it's not like you're, you know, your rock band, like sitting in the, you know, insert environment here, just kind of shredding. Like th- they do a lot of like, uh, you know, like character like roles where they're dressed up as different characters. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're not like taking, like you said it, they're not taking themselves too seriously. They're having a lot of fun with it, which is cool. 100%. So then it gets into Learn to Fly, uh, standout track from this album, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, in their whole catalog in general. It's like a, almost like a pop rock kind of song about looking for inspiration and happiness in life. Yeah. The, the sound here, it's pretty, Ooh, sorry. God damn. Uh, it's pretty standard mid tempo, mid tone through the whole song here. Uh, like Joey said, kind of got a poppy riff to it. Uh, nothing crazy here, but I like this song. It's of their, like of their hits, maybe not one of my favorite hits, but good song still. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite. I got a couple fun facts here. So one of the lyrics I really like, like standout lyrics, I'm looking to this guy to save me, looking for a sign of life, uh, looking for something to help me burn out bright. It's really cool. Um, so Dave Grohl actually said this is one of the most straightforward melodies he's ever written, uh, which is cool. And then the music video of this song is a comedy sketch of the band playing different characters on like a plane. Um it, it kind of pays homage to the airplane. Okay, yeah, it's got that motif through. Yeah, yeah in, in this song, Jack Black and uh, Kyle Gass what? of Tenacious D, they play two guys that are, like, trying to, like, hijack the plane. And then, like, on the plane, like, Dave Grohl, he, like, in one scene, he, like, dresses up as, like, a girl with, like, pigtails. And then um, uh, Taylor's doing different characters, too. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny music video. <laughs> That's pretty fucking cool. 
Actually, I think I saw this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did watch this one. Uh, yeah, they're in that like how that little house and yeah, this is, this is a wild fucking music video. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll when we post this clip to social, I'll put a uh, a screen grab of, of Dave Grohl with the pigtails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real, real fucked up looking. It's funny though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jack Black of Tenacious D. That's a funny way of putting it. Oh well, I mean, yeah, you know, right, right. Um, just in the, I was keeping it in the music sphere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Loki, he's kind of a talented musician too. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, a hilarious actor. Hilarious actor, dude. Uh, School of Rock. He did. God, what was it? Um, oh, was it not Kickball? Um, he's done a bunch of stuff, man. I'm I'm forgetting right now. I don't know. He he's funny even in the um, uh, what is it called? Not is it Jumanji or? The remake, or is it uh, what, what's the one with the rock and Kevin yeah, it's Hart? Jumanji, yeah, okay, yeah, he's funny in that movie too. Yeah, like, you I know, never, it's like a kid's, I'll be honest, never never got around to the remakes. I saw the original, but the first one's worth a watch. I'll, I'll be honest, anything with with uh, with what's his nuts, uh, the Kevin, rock? Kevin Hart and The Rock, I'm just like, all right, this is a money grab. Yeah, I mean, we could uh, we could spend the next 20 minutes talking about the sh- shitty movies that those two have made, dude. They but. made that one movie where like it, it's like Ride Along or something, and I think. Uh, the Rock's the cop, and Kevin Hart's doing like a ride along with him and shit. I've only seen bits and pieces when it comes on like FX or something. Just so so like like PG and and kind of like not PG. Maybe that's not the right word, but like it just doesn't really like cut at all. It's a very bland kind of comedy. Ugh. And it each type of comedy, it's like the same because it's like The Rock's this big macho guy, and then Kevin Hart's a little the yeah. short funny guy, and the, you know they blend well together because they're opposites, but they both can be funny and quirky. And yeah, it's just uh, like you said, it's kind of like a money grab. <laughs> exactly, man. They got like five of those fucking movies, and they're all the same. Bro, I think I think those two have at least I think they have double digit movies together. No fucking way, dude. I'll bet you, dude. I'll bet you five bucks they have double-digit movies together. No, that's not even possible. How much time? Think about how many movies The Rock makes. <laughs> God, uh, it, I would be shocked if Rock's like net worth isn't in the billions, dude. Oh, yeah, easily. That dude's been, he, he will fucking work for anything. All right, here we go. Every Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson movie collaboration ranked. I'm not going to read the rankings, but. Oh, they only did. Oh, oh, oh! They've done more than five. Is this another uh, another list Joey's gotten wrong? <laughs> uh, let's do another one here. Did I did I hit five right on the head? It feels like more than five. Hit him up in the TikTok, boys. Roast this, roast his ass, bro. It's like the same article written twice by two different. Uh, this is a, after this, I'll admit defeat. Well, that's because, you know, people just use chat GPT for everything nowadays. They just, you know, pop it in, write the same article. All right. I was wrong. It's, it's only five. It's only five. Damn. I didn't even know. I fucking hit it on the head. Honk. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anyways, back to Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that aside, everybody. Where the yeah. fuck were we? Learn, so learn to fly. Ne- next song we're on uh, is Gimme Stitches. So Dave Grohl said this is this is about being addicted to someone or something that's you know bad and, and kind of destroying you uh the lyrics from this dress me up in stitches now or never dying to get my blood on you and then last note the title for this song comes from a phrase that one of dave girl's friends growing up used to say before getting in, like fights <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh i like the intro here it's, again kind of this like classic rock 70s style intro on guitar um mid-tempo throughout cool song oh one more fun fact they use this song in scream 3 too 
<laughs> now, now, pop quiz: How many Scream movies are there? Bro, over it has to be over ten. <laughs> uh, okay, so next song is Generator. This is a song I was referring to, uh, where Dave Grohl bought a talk box. And, okay, that makes sense. And use it on this song, so it's it's got a very unique sound to it. Yeah, I kind of thought this had like a like a trippy kind of like psychedelic guitar lick through the through the song here. Uh, not super heavy here, just more like almost. I don't want to call it psychedelic rock, but like it's got that feel to it, a little bit old school. Um, cool song. Yeah, lyrically it's a little bit heavier. It's being loyal and supportive of someone you love, even when it comes to like suicide. And some of the some of the lyrics in this song are a little bit. I'd have to go back and find it, but kind of goes along with that vibe. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Next up is Aurora, and uh, I don't have anything here. Really? This is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, not not my favorite. You don't like here. this? No, not often here for me. So this is soft, soft tone, Dave Grohl, but it totally works in my opinion. Uh, and even he, he said, "I was most proud of this song off the album. The song itself questions the meaning of life." Yeah, put put that in the mic. You could tell me this was a Natasha Bedingfield song, and I'd believe it. Clown. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so Nothing crazy there. The song itself is about to... Uh, when he was in Nirvana, they lived on a street called Aurora. Oh, okay. A little cool so call back there. Some of the lyrics like, Hell yeah, I remember Aurora. Okay, cool, cool. So one of, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it's going to probably fall last here for me. And uh, even another one of the lyrics that I noted here, take me down, we can spin the sun around, the stars will all come out, and we'll turn and come back down. There's I another like. ballad on this album that's much better. Well, well debatable, but I like, I really like this one. Next up is what, Live In Skin? Yeah. Uh, here, what do we got here? Oh, yeah. Um, this is back to like the, the heavy stuff here. It's got a real like thick, heavy riff through the, through the song. Um, Getting away from the grunge a little bit. This is kind of more leaning into their just like solid rock sound, um, which is not good or bad necessarily. Just really like working on defining their Foo Fighter sound. Um, I like this song. Lyrically, it's I, I like this song too. Lyrically, this one's kind of cheesy. It's obviously about you know um, being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, but yeah, a little cheesy. Sound wise, it's good. This is the next. This next song is what I was talking about here. Mm. Next year is a much better ballad. Um, well, I I will disagree that it's better, but I will agree this is an awesome song. Yeah, I just I I love the 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 poppy kind of riff throughout. Um, it it it's weird. It's a weird Foo Fighters song though. Um, yeah, it's like hella poppy, but not like it's not poppy like Big Me. It's like poppy like a like a two thousands like pop song. Yeah, it's it's uh it's similar to like any like Christmas song like uh, you know I'm coming home. It, uh, I'll be coming home next year. Yeah, and obviously lyrically it's it's very personal to Dave Grohl. Like it's obviously about you know being on tour and and all that. And yeah, I'll be home next year. Yeah, I also kind of thought this song was about just like living life to the fullest. Uh, do what you can while you are, you know. Yeah, and they have quite a few songs that are similar to that. Yeah, throughout yeah. their catalog. Right. They definitely have like a, a, a slightly more upbeat um just like vibe through the first few albums. Mm-hmm. Um again, concrete and gold, we'll talk about it. 
yeah. So next song here is Headwires. This is another standout track in my opinion. Um, it's one of those songs where it's kind of slow throughout the verse, but then it rocks during the chorus and Dave's voice picks up. Yeah, it's got that Foo Fighters sound, but I also put this like another weird one for Foo Fighters a little bit, just in, sonically. It kind of got this like '80s pop sound a little bit. Uh, I noted it sounds a little bit like a poli- like a song from The Police. Oh, okay. It's just kind of got that like it just doesn't sound like classic Foo Fighters to me. I like it. Um, it's just different. Um, they now that now that I'm reading through this, they really do have a few like kind of poppy songs on this album. A little weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the next song is "Ain't It the Life," which. Again, has a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of pop to the chorus. Yeah, I this kind of reminded me of Big Me a little bit. Um, same kind of same kind of poppy uh, sound here. Uh, good song though. Yeah, it's about finding peace in life. Around, and this was around he had written this around the time he moved from like L.A. to Virginia. Yeah. So uh, it makes sense. And yeah, it's a good song. Yep, got it. M.I.A. to close out the album. Uh, heavier track here, kind of back to the Foo Fighters stuff. Um, good song, not great song. I like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything on that. Good song. Yeah, good album. Uh, yeah. So this is album number two. They've. This is three. Oh, this is three. Shit. Uh, they they've at this point, I think they've solidified their sound. Um, For sure. So so I I said to you before we started recording, but I didn't actually do it. Let me let me back up a little bit. Um, I. I think part of what helped me uh, think about these albums is Joey does these analogies for the albums every week. Um, and I came up with my own analogies this week. <laughs> this week, I'll be talking about Food Fighters kind of as the development of a like a restaurant, like a bar restaurant. Uh, so the way I kind of feel about it, Food Fighters are first album, self-titled. It kind of feels like like a dive bar that does one thing really well. They make the burger well. Um Everything else at the bar is kind of meh. You might eat it. You might not. You're not going to be left, like, loving anything else on the menu. But the burger's good. Not great. It's good. Um, the second album, maybe they, I don't know, they pick up some fries. They, they really figure out the fries. They, they, ha- they have some specials. Yeah, they got some specials now. And they're not, some of them are good, some of them aren't. Yeah, they do a Reuben. Uh, maybe they do, like, a... I don't know, like a chicken dinner or something. They got some better stuff here. A little bit more to the menu. Nothing crazy. Again, still in that like divey feel. Uh, nothing less to lose again. Uh, just adding a little bit more to the arsenal. Um, they picked up maybe some breakfast options. I don't know. It's getting away from the dive bar and more into like just a solid restaurant, uh, like local community, a uh, little spot here. Um, and that brings us to one by one. Yeah, so this comes out in 2002. Uh, lyrically, it's it's good in my opinion. Maybe not as good as some of their other albums, like the last two. Um, but there are some still some really good songs on here. Yeah, that's the thing here. Uh, the two hits, "All My Life" and "Times Like These," they're really really good fucking songs. Uh, the rest of it, there's a good mix of the rest of it. Um, but again, they're they're they've they found their sound now and. This is just kind of what they're doing. Um, this album doesn't do anything crazy, I don't think. So let's just get into it. Yeah. So opens with all my life. One of the, like you said, one of the standout tracks, one of the hits of the albums. Yeah, uh, this is a cool opener. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. For an opener, this is you're 
Just I mean, you're of, like, oh, let's go. Yeah, it just starts with, with Dave kind of – they got like a, a mid-tempo, chunky guitar uh, chord kind of going through, and just Dave kind of whispering into the mic like this, <laughs> and that's how he opened the song. And then it breaks out into a fucking explosion of sound. It's it pretty fucking sick. Absolutely. Um, uh, so then it gets into low, which my note for this song was, this sound isn't my favorite. You probably love it. I think it's good, but not great. Yeah, I do. I do like this song a lot. Uh, fast, heavy, not heavy guitar, but kind of heavy-ish. Uh, low tone on the on from Dave on the mic here. Um, I kind of like this song. It's I can see how it's not your your fucking cup of tea, but I like it. It is funny after doing a couple of these episodes now when I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, this is all right. Joe probably likes it yeah. more. <laughs> you get a feel for it. Um, I sa- let me let me just say this now. I think after we get past times like these, maybe we can uh, just kind of go through what we like and don't like. Yeah, there's I, a lot of songs here, and I don't really have this, a ton for everything. This album, I think I have the least amount of notes. Um, yeah. Other than I, I've got notes for a couple songs, but yeah, we, I got we, notes for every song, but like a lot of the notes are just like saying the same thing over and over. Okay, then yeah, we can, we can kind of skim through this one if you want. Yeah. So the next song, "Have It All," this is a little bit different. It's got this like um, kind of wah wah guitar, like but like poppy. Oh, I I, I compared yeah. it to like a Strokes. If, if, for those of you who listen to the Strokes, it sounds like a song that might come from the Strokes. It's got that guitar sound. Yeah, kind of, uh, like, almost if you're playing guitar in a bathtub kind of sound. <laughs> um, I like this song. I like the song, too. Good mid-level sound here. Uh, just It's a really good deep cut is what I'll say for it. Um, after that, that's when you get into times like these. Yeah, so one of the standout songs from the, from the album, one of, their, one of my favorite songs from, from their whole catalog, just, uh, you know, times like these, you learn to love again, learn to live again. Um, just getting through hard times. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy musically here. Uh, just good mid-tune, mid-tempo song. Um, I could kind of see this song being played on acoustic just as well as I could the way they they have it on the album. Uh, and there, there's probably a, a bunch of songs like that because they do mix it in like acoustic and like softer uh, electric stuff that I could see that, and it's a uh, it's a cool song. Nothing crazy. The Foo, Foo Fighters would be a good candidate to go back and do release an ep or an album and just do acoustic like make your own songs acoustic well what's funny about yeah that would be cool uh what's funny about that is the next album has some well yeah um but yeah i I would love to hear just like an acoustic set by dave grohl or something yeah for sure yeah that'd be pretty fucking cool um disenchanted lullabies next i don't really have anything on that let's see here um oh i like the chorus on this song just kind of uh, he picks up his voice and like, I may be scattered. Um, I like this song. It's good it's good enough. Nothing crazy. Yeah, it's good. Um, other than that, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of songs in this album that just have that classic Foo Fighters sound. Not too hard, not too low. Um, I'll say, I'll say Halo is one of those songs. Lonely as You, Overdrive, all kind of in that, in that vein. Um, Come back a little bit heavier, but so come back. This is a, a like a seven minute song at around four minutes. You think the song's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're like, all right, next song. And then Dave slowly starts plucking a few notes on the guitar. And then over the next minute and a half, it builds back up. And uh, at the end, they, they bring in the electric guitar. They bring in the drums. It's 
uh, this is a this is a standout song and just the progression of it is, is epic yeah it's pretty fucking cool uh it's it's one of a kind for sure but uh not not gonna be for everybody here it's it's gonna take you a while to get there but it's a cool song for sure uh what else we got here so i had a note on on tired of you it's it's a good song it's a five minute song but the whole song this is one of the ones where i was waiting for them to start it slow and then pick pick it up at yeah, the end it never and gets it there never picks up so i i think if they did like a a remix of this song it'd actually be a little bit better yeah i'm kind of with you there um wasn't my favorite track on the album by a long shot but i don't know um i do want to talk about danny says Danny says, oh, yeah, this is okay. All right, this is another weird Foo Fighters song. Yeah, let me let me play a snippet here. It sounds like the Beach Boys. That's exactly the fucking note I have. The first note is Beach Boys-y. My, my first note is Beach Boys question mark. Yeah, it's just got that real like chunky uh, pop like guitar, almost not disco guitar, but like just set like the like California poppy rock. Um, yeah, so uh, this is one of the only songs where Chris Shafet, the lead guitarist, is singing this. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And it's a cover of the uh, Ramones song. Ah, that's pretty cool too. I like that. Uh, yeah. Ramones, for those of you, uh, it's like maybe the the Godfathers of punk rock. Um, <laughs> That's kind of cool. I'm not a big Ramones guy, but that's cool. Yeah, I when I heard the song on the album, I was like, "Whoa! Like this is this it's uh, unexpected, but it, it totally I love this. Like this is a great cover. This almost kind of sounds like a Green Day song too. Yeah, I could see that. Like as I got towards the end, I was like, "Holy shit!" Oh, you're doing a warning right there. Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like. Um, I like the song. Yeah. Now let's back up a little bit. Sister Europe has the potential to be their worst song in their catalog. I uh, yeah, that one's I just that one's all right. Just like this weird piano-y song, uh, low tune, low tempo. Just did not like it at all. Um, but you know, four albums in, you're gonna have a miss here or there. Yeah, um, I don't really have any notes on most of the other songs in this album. Are just average for me. Yeah, nothing crazy here. Um, okay. Good, not great album. So, the next album here, In Your Honor, 2005. This is a, a two-disc set. So, there's a rock album, and then there's a soft, like, acoustic album. Yeah, yeah, this is interesting. Um, I think we should... I've, we we can maybe skip, skip a few, but I've got notes on I got most notes of the songs here. I got notes on a good chunk of them. Um, I... <laughs> I feel like this album should just be split into two albums, and you can call the second album Campfire Songs with Dave Grohl. Because <laughs> um, it, it really is just him. Like Occasionally, they'll throw in some drum stuff or a little piano, some strings. Um, but it's mostly just Grohl kind of uh, chopping away on the guitar. And there's a couple songs on the second set disc, so like the, the softer. Yeah, the second. We'll just call it the second half. All right, there's a couple songs on the second half where they were written like they might not have been written in the last like year. They were written like previously, but he didn't want to like throw them into like the color and the shape or in your honor. Gotcha, Cause it wouldn't gotcha. make sense. So yeah. he saved a couple of the acoustic ones to put in here as like its own. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> We've been fucking tracking your ass. Yeah. Found one. All right. So before we get in this album, I'm going to go pee real quick. Y'all dude, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, before we get back into it, a quick, a quick aside, maybe I should have brought up at the top. 
How fucking stupid do you have to be if you're Jamison Williams to get suspended for gambling on campus? This is absolutely something they talked about in the rookie symposiums and meetings and shit. Fuck you for missing the whole season last year, basically, and then getting suspended for the first six games this year because you couldn't wait until you got off campus to fucking plug into FanDuel. God damn it. Yes, and I agree because he's on my dynasty team. Let me have another Mentos. I really, I've been crazy. I've been thinking about it. Who amongst us hasn't been taking a poop at work and placed a couple parlays? In Dog, DK? listen. The difference is, is if I take, if I put in a twelve legger at fucking, if I put in a twelve legger at fucking work, nobody knows and nobody gives a flying fuck. If Jameson Williams decides to put in a twelve legger at work, he's missing six games this season or worse. Now, I, I have a feeling that suspension will be somewhat uh, like um, commuted. Like there will be probably end up being like a four or three game suspension. Um, I hope. I hope. I, I think kind of like the the meaning of the rule is basically they don't want you like just sitting around playing fucking blackjack at work. Um, he placed a bet on a college football game while he was in the facility. Um, but also, dude, fuck the NFL. Those guys are there 12 hours a day. And the NFL, like, oh, you placed a bet on college football, so we're spending you six games. Like, dude, the NFL is in bed with all the gambling companies. Yeah, like, oh, the irony. Yeah. The, the gambling companies partner with teams. They partner with the league. They're advertising every commercial break. Like, And then it was, oh, yeah, we have a zero tolerance policy. It's like, dude, you can't have it both ways. That being said, the, the two guys in the Lions who got suspended for a full year and then uh, quickly and then cut, cut – won't miss him. Quintez Cephas, fuck you, see ya. Um, and uh, CJ Moore, kind of like a backup safety. We'll be fine without him. We got CJ, GJ. Yeah. All good there. God, these fucking things get stuck in your gums, man. They're fire, aren't they? Low-key fire. Dude, I'm telling you, the fruity ones, game changer. Mm. I've never been a big sweets guy. More of a chocolate guy myself, but anyways. All right. Get into In Your Honor. <laughs> After you fucking finish that mento, <laughs> I can hear you chew it. Every, every chew gets put in the mic. All right. So, a uh, quick note on the last album. The last album, so they had the specials, uh, the restaurant. They got the specials. They got good specials. The last album, they had a new special, and it didn't sell. Nothing. Just, just wasn't popular with the people. Um, You're saying in your honor? Yeah. No. Oh, uh, sorry. One by one. One by, by one. one. Yeah. Had a okay, new special. Agreed. agreed. Um, the rest of the stuff is still good. The new special didn't hit. Just wasn't a seller. It won't come back on the menu. Yeah, th- this album, uh, I'll let you do yours, but for me, this is like um, a dinner place or like a sports bar like offering brunch. It's like totally different, but like it's good. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, It's like, uh, yeah, we're doing a brunch happy hour, bottomless mimosas, the, omelet, that, the omelets are good. It's like that place in Sinclair Shores we could get into that one morning. Exactly. Sports bar, yeah. That's a good point here. I kind of like that. We'll stick with that. Um, so we mentioned this is a two. This is kind of a two album release here, mixed into one album. Uh, the first half is a classic Foo Fighters rock album, first ten songs. The the second half, second ten songs are acoustic slash like just kind of like choppy campfire songs, in my opinion. Um, but don't count them out. There there's some really really good stuff in there too. Absolutely. So. Opening up the rock album, In Your Honor, a uh, song about devotion and loving someone so much that you'd essentially die for them. It's a, kind of a heavier song. Yeah, really high energy, high tempo intro. Um, 
the note I had here is like crashing into this album. Um, mm. And the first, I'll, I'll say the first two or three songs, we'll just say three songs. It feels like they're just like letting it all hang out at the top of the album. And then it progressively gets slower and slower and slower. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Um, In Your Honor is just this hard, heavy, cool fucking rock song. Um, the next song is one of my favorites. I, I don't know if it's a deep cut necessarily, but No Way Back is, again, one of these, like, it's not as hard and heavy as In Your Honor, but still hard and heavy. Um, really, really cool chorus here. Uh, really good guitar work here. Awesome song. Yeah, so this song was, I, it was all right for me. And, and then when I looked up, like, some of the backstory behind it, I was, like, a little bit, like, eh. Oh. Like, uh, I guess there's some political undertones here where um, the song expresses frustration about dishonesty in politics. And I guess at the time, Grohl was a big supporter of John Kerry for the presidential campaign. And uh, I don't know, there's some elements of, you know, feeling controlled by a government you didn't elect in this song. And it's kind of like Dave Grohl's like intro to, to yeah, politics, I maybe guess. Maybe this is where he starts then. I didn't pick up on that, but. I didn't either until I looked it up. Yeah. It, uh, the song itself is fine, but when, once I was reading that, I was like, ah. Maybe this is where it starts then, because this is something I wanted to talk about today. After after a certain period of time, Grohl gets a bit, like, bleeding hearty, like, like I just love everybody, man. Everything's good, man. Like, the world around us is kind of shit, but, like, just do what you can to, like, be alive and feel good, man. Um, not my favorite work, or not my favorite sound from them however this song still kicks ass yeah and then it gets into best of you another one of their all-time great songs yeah this is kind of weird because he he starts with the high energy vocals right off the top it's not like a super hard heavy song um but he he leads right into it with the, the heavy vocals here um that ends up being the chorus and it's just a really cool fucking song yeah so i always thought that this song was about a relationship and um, it can be interpreted that way with the lyrics. But Dave Grohl actually said that most people think this is a love song, but it's m- meant to be more universal. And it's kind of more about like brokenness, like recovery and strength. So more so like the process than like the actual like relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, this song, this is one of those songs when, you know, if it comes on the radio or it comes on shuffle and, it, you know, it kicks off with him just going, is someone getting the best? But like if you hear that, you're like, OK, I'm in. Yeah, this is again, I've talked about this before. We're like, they they let the instruments go for a second and just let the vocalist like do their work. He does a master class of that right here. Just like letting all the emotion hang off every word he says, uh, and then getting the, the instruments in behind it. It's cool. Yeah. Awesome track. Um, you want to go kind of uh, free fire here for the next few or anything? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go free fire for four through 10. Okay. So DOA, good song, living life to the fullest, not being afraid of death. Um, some, possible undertones of being influenced by the iraq war you got anything on that no hell short song is all right i liked it higher higher tempo uh cool guitar work here nothing crazy yeah uh the last song self-explanatory the last song that you're you know writing for someone similar to last week when we had the last love song by dreamers yeah yeah yeah. kind of kind of foo fighters version i thought this was classic foo fighters right here just kind of had that feel yeah, and at the end of this song, it, it it's uh it does the thing where it flows into the intro for the next song. Yeah, that, that's is, cool. I love that. Yeah, which is "Free Me," which is a, a cool song about breaking free from someone that's kind of like uh, oppressing you, and a, a good song in my opinion. Yeah, the "Free Me" and then the next song "Resolve" both kind of were just like average Foo Fighters rock to me. Nothing crazy. 
Yeah. So then it gets into Resolve, which is a, a, a standout track here about finding closure and peace after loss. This one was actually written as a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I didn't know that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, any, anything else on that one? No, nothing there. All right. So then it's The Deepest Blues Are Black. Or I'm sorry. The Deepest Blues Are Back. Uh, good song about... Uh, no, it is The Deepest Blues Are Black. Oh, it is black. Okay. So The Deepest Blues Are Black. The, there's a couple different interpretations for the lyrics on this one. I don't know if, if you have an opinion, but uh, this could be a song about rejection. Um, there's also like... The metaphor for like if if you make a shade a little bit darker, eventually it turns black. Yeah. There's all like, there's also the element of like um, bruises itself. Like if yeah, if that's kind of someone. I, yeah. So I don't I don't know what this song is about, but I like the song. Yeah, I like this song a lot. I thought this was one of the better deep cuts off this record. Um, again, that it's a little bit softer. Like I said, it goes from hard to soft, from top to bottom. Um, and this is kind of just get into this middle rock sound. Uh. I'm gonna say it's just average rock, um, but I, I do like this song. Um, the way uh, or sonically, uh, "Girl on the Mic" here is cool. Uh, I don't know so much about the lyrics, but just a cool song. Yeah. So then the rock set closes out with "End Over End," which is an epic song, uh, kind of about facing the consequences of your your actions and accepting your fate. Uh, but this this one kind of this kicks ass. I I, I like this opinion. one a lot too. I the chorus here is like pretty catchy. Um, good, solid rock here. Great, or not great song, but really, really good song. Uh, so cool, fun fact about this song. The last 40 seconds, they hang on a single note. And yeah. That's what they do to start off the album. Right, right, right. So on In Your Honor, the first oh. 40 seconds, it's like the same note. And oh. they kind of let it hang. That's so. fucking cool. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense that, again, why they should just split this up into two albums or like, like, it wouldn't be that crazy. If you want to put out both of these, just, like, put them both out separately. I don't know. Doesn't that make sense for the record company? Like, why would you want to put two albums into one? Uh, I don't know. I think it's uh, – maybe it's just something like trying something different at this point in their career. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I, like, it's fine, whatever. I just – okay. Yeah, so the getting into the second disc here, the, the acoustic kind of disc, opens up with Still. So this is one of the ones where I kind of – it's slow the whole way, and I want them to pick it up, and they Never don't. Never do. Feature, features some piano too. Yeah, a little piano here. Um, just it doesn't doesn't even have strings in it. Like it's got a little violin or something. Um, kind of de- like it just sounds like a depressing song. It's depressing well, music. It, okay, so I've got the the backstory on this one. This is a song about Dave being when he was a kid. He went to the lake by his house on a Saturday, and he saw a bunch of ambulances and fire trucks uh, by a train track because someone had killed themselves. Oh goddamn! And yeah, so the lyrics from this. Uh, Promise I will be forever yours. Promise not to say another word. Here forever deep beneath the dirt. Never mind what's done is done. Always was the lucky one. So it, it is a, it is a, a sad yeah, song. Yeah, sad song. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, picks a little bit up next with What If I Do. Um, again, I, I feel like this one's kind of a relationship song here. Um, I, I like the chorus through this song. It's still that choppy acoustic stuff here. Um, yeah, so so pardon me if my, my musical, like, interludes here aren't anything crazy because a lot of the songs are just that they're just kind of choppy acoustic songs um yeah but it's a cool relationship song i like the chorus a lot here uh good track yeah this is definitely a song about being in love with someone uh one of the lines help me search to find the words that eat you, eat you up inside and i only hide what's on my mind because i can't explain and the chorus is like dave Grohl like having a debate with himself 
like yeah. kind of in his head. Right, right. Good song though. Yep. Uh, Miracle, not my favorite track on the album. That's uh, all right. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a song meh. about appreciating someone and meh. or or a possession or you know desire to to keep it. Uh, yeah, just yeah. The next two tracks I kind of like. Uh, Another round is a little bit more upbeat. Um, just good, solid uh, acoustic here. Yeah. So another round. Um, this this was one of the songs where it was written around the time of the color and the shape, uh, but okay. never really had a place on one of the albums. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, a couple different interpretations of the lyrics. Some some people like I I just thought it was about a relationship. Like, can you go another round? It's like a sexual reference almost. Uh, like, okay. Yeah. We could just lay around, stare at the ceiling. Um, other people were saying that it could be talking about alcohol like can you go another round but okay, i don't yeah. i really don't think that's the yeah, case here it no, doesn't sound like it to me either but yeah it's a it's a decent song yeah it's, it's a good fine. song um the next song friend of a friend maybe i'll let you go ahead on this one yeah so this is a, a really unique song uh dave said this was about his first impressions of kurt and chris went from nirvana right so remember everybody that that uh dave came along after bleach so after their first album dave kind of came in um to replace whoever on drums um as kind of a friend of a friend yeah and the song is uh it's it's kind of a story that about a person that a lot of people like know it's someone who drinks or takes drugs to deal with loneliness and like nobody really knows him they're just a friend of a friend but if you look into the lyrics for this song it's it's clearly about kurt cobain uh so he thinks he drinks too much because when he tells his two best friends, I think I drink too much. No one speaks. No one speaks. No one speaks. But he's saying it in like this real like somber tone. Yeah. And same kind of thing later. He says it was uh, he plays an old guitar with a coin found by the phone. It was his friend's guitar that he plays when he plays. No one speaks. Same yeah. kind of thing. And that part's kind of cool when it, with the guitar, like no, no one speaks because he's obviously like because he's a master on the guitar. Exactly right. It's a homage to him. Yeah, so I, this this is a really cool song in my opinion. So usually I don't I don't look up the meanings to any of these lyrics. I just kind of take them as as I see them. Um, when I heard the song the first time, I immediately kind of knew it was about Kurt, um, just from what we talked about already. Also, the music on this song, and I mentioned to Joey earlier, sounds a lot like something in the way. He even does that kind of like like in something in the way they do the mm -hmm, and and Dave does some of that humming through this song as well. Yeah, let me, let me. Uh, yeah, try to pull that up real quick because I'll see if I can. And then yeah, let me play the first part of something in the way because it's. Yeah, so it's just got that same kind of Nirvana sound. And when, when I heard the music paired with the vocals, I almost instantly knew it was about Kurt, which is cool. Um, it's a sad song, though. Just a, a guy who kind of, you know, he's a happy enough, not happy enough. Let's say he's a, he's a guy who's got this talent. Um, people love listening to him play, but he's got these demons, these alcohol problems that he can't get rid of. Um, and it doesn't explicitly state in here, but that might come to be his downfall. Yeah. Sad, man, but a really, really cool track on this album. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, so the next song on this album is one of my favorites, Over and Out. 
it's uh it's very distinct the guitar let me let me just play it real quick because the guitar is so whenever i hear it come on i'm like oh yeah like it's so distinct but little bit of like a southern rock kind of acoustic sound yeah and this is another one of the songs where it starts off slow and then picks up throughout mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is weird given the acoustic nature of these these songs but yeah i think i think this Nail one's on severely underrated like on spotify this has like five million i streams. think all of these last these second half songs are underrated and not okay maybe not all of them but like a bunch of these songs the ones that i like are severely underrated yeah so uh, like you'll never hear any of these songs on rock radio, right? So this was another one where Dave wrote this in in two thousand, uh, in his basement, but he didn't gotcha. release it until now. Yeah, and, and if we haven't mentioned it already, this album came out in two thousand five. Yeah, and lyrically, this this song sounds like a relationship with someone from the past. It's like, and then the lines like, "Are you there? Do you read me?" So, yep, yep. Cool song. Totally agreed. On the men, eh, eh. Yeah, nothing, that, nothing really there. Yeah, it's a average. Um, Virginia Moon is, is I, it's not one of my favorites, but it is cool. It, it's one of the only songs that has like some some jazz to it. Yeah, I was gonna say a little poppier. It's got that jazz sound to it. Uh, a little bit more work from the band here. Uh, and, not uh, one of my favorites either. Nora Jones is on this too. Oh shit! Oh. That's okay. That's what I'm talking about, man. This guy's this guy's got connections in music. Uh, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So then. Cold Day in the Sun, um, one of the few songs in the Foo's catalog where Taylor Hawkins does the vocals. I kind of really like this song. Um, I love this song. Yeah, this is a great one. Yeah, it's just it's got a fun vibe to it. Um, it's not what I expected when I read the title. This is a don't read the book or don't read the cover type deal. So so Taylor wrote this song and they tried recording it as like a rock song. And then they're like, oh, this didn't work. So they re-recorded it as more of like a... Uh, Acoustic, uh, soft, acoustic, yeah. like yeah, and it uh, it definitely works. A little poppy, uh, but yeah, I I really like this song. Yeah, and the song itself about feeling lonely and unappreciated, yep. probably about an ex girlfriend. Fair enough. Um, Razor, I don't got much there either. Yeah, that one, I, that was just all right for me. Yeah, whatever. And so that wraps up in your honor. Uh, two discs set. Good album, not great album. This one, I'll say, they've maybe not added specials. Now they. This was a this was a burger joint, and now they do like they might have pasta dinner. Um, they might have like uh, not Chinese. Uh, well, like they might have like a burrito on the menu, and it's good. Um, it's not their again. You go for the burger, but this is good stuff too. They've added some some extras. Yeah, I would be totally cool if they made like another album or release another album that was like the second disc on In Your Honor. Yeah, that's we talked about that a little bit earlier. Where like. Just, it would be so cool to, like, even a live performance. Dude, a live performance where he just, like, he sat down and says, hey, we're going to play Foo Fighters songs, but on acoustic the whole way through. Yeah, even if they didn't want to release it as, like, Foo Fighters, if, if they just wanted to release it as, like, a EP or a side product or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like, fucking sick. They, like, uh, Foo Fighters does acoustic covers or whatever, yeah. I think on the, uh, let me double check this, but on the Greatest Hits album, uh, da -da -da, where is it? They do an acoustic cover of Everlong. Um, which we're going to get into with the next album. Or no, we already talked about it. There's an uh, acoustic version of Everlong that's pretty sick. Um, but yeah, that's the only one I really know of. Maybe some live stuff, but I didn't really dig into the live catalog too much. Yeah, same. And and forgive us, there's like 
what, 10 or 11 albums and then a bunch of other stuff, too? It's like, fuck. Between 2019 and 2020 or 2021, they released, like, I told tiny EPs. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, uh, let's get it out of the way now. A lot of that stuff is, like, Foo Fighters from the vault, and it's mostly demos and live music. I think there might be an original, like, thrown in there occasionally, but um, didn't really study that too much either. Yeah. So next album here comes out in 2007. Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. This is another one with some interesting uh, artwork on the cover. So it's on the left side, you got Foo Fighters with the title of the album. And then in the middle, it's got like a almost like a parchment background. Um, and in the middle of the, pa- the page, I guess, um, there's a picture of an atom bomb like dropping. But half the top half of the atom bomb, is it looks like an atom bomb. The bottom half is like this, it almost looks like a, like a vacuum tube light bulb or something um, like this real old school, like electrical like light bulb. That's what it looks like. Um, it feels like it has some kind of political meaning to it, uh, whatever, but it, it's kind of like, it's kind of hard. Honestly, it's kind of hard. Yeah. The, and there are some songs that ha- could potentially have some political undertones, but like you have to kind of like dig into it. Yeah, but if you don't like dig into it, you won't notice it, which is probably for the better because the songs are really good. Yeah. <laughs> Without getting into politics. Yeah. Gotcha. So this song opens with a banger. Yeah. Hell yeah. The Pretender. The Pretender, man. This is uh another one of those um those pacing songs where it starts slow and then really, really picks up. Uh it's just Dave not slowly, like mid tempo. That even feels like a like a pretty classic like uh, progression that's probably been played a million times. But uh, it's just Dave on guitar and then kind of just like talking into the mic like this, not whispering, just solidly talking, Um, and then really picks up into the verses and chorus. So cool, fucking love this song. Yeah. So this was one of the ones where when I was looking in the lyrics there. People were saying it could have political undertones about people in power using, um, like, trying to control beliefs and emotions. But I just enjoy the sound of this song. Yeah, facts. I mean, that's a lot of music here. But, yeah, yeah. It, is really, it is one of their best songs. Uh, pro- absolutely top three for me. This is so fucking cool. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, and then it goes into another great song, yeah, Let It Die. Yeah, I can't believe this doesn't have more play on Apple. Uh, Dude, same on, same on Spotify. It's the same kind of thing here. It's, it's a soft intro. Um, and then through the song, really, like, uh, Dave just kind of lets it all out. Um, heavy ending. Love this fucking song. By the end of the song, he's screaming into the mic. Yeah, same kind of thing, man. God damn, this and is a cool song. So Dave Grohl told Rolling Stone that this song is written about just feeling helpless to someone else's demise. I've seen people lose it all to drugs and heartbreak and death. It's happened more than once in my life, but the one that's most noted is Kurt. And there are a lot of people that I've been angry with in my life, but the one that's most noted is Courtney. Um, so the lyric from this song, an intravenous intertwined couple, Dave confirmed that that line's about Kurt and Courtney. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it like that, but that's... That makes a lot of sense now that you put it in that this, perspective. Yeah, the song itself is more more or less about just a relationship uh, and the bitterness and resentment that kind of follows it like yeah. after like a, f- a failed relationship right. Right. In, in like people being dishonest. Yeah, heart's gone cold, hands are tied, why'd you have to go and let it die? Yeah, it's definitely uh, worth checking out though if you haven't heard this one. Yeah, not a deep cut, but wow. All right, anyways, um, kind of free free fire through the rest of it here. Um, or you yeah, want I mean, one by one. I mean, it's up to you. 
I've got a couple quick quick ones, but yeah, like the next one we don't erase, replace, good song. I like I this one. This is just classic Foo Fighters here. High tempo guitar. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I do want to talk about the next one, Long Road to Ruin. This okay. Is, this is one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. Yeah, this low, like there's a lot of songs in this album that just have that classic Foo Fighters sound. Um, so I'll try not to say it so much, but another one. Now it's got a little bit of like an old school guitar sound to it. Like this rolling kind of licks um, that I really liked. Good song. Yeah, so uh, lyrically, it's about abandoning your old life and kind of starting over. The road to ruin is itself like a metaphor for life. Um, it does have, like some of the lines do have some political undertones. Like, let's say we take this town, no king or queen in sight. But again, I think not choosing to just think it, it's a metaphor for life. And this is an amazing song. Yeah, I'm with you there. Long road to ruin there in your eyes under the cold street lights. No tomorrow, no dead ends. Really cool. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about the next song too. come alive. This is another softer one that I, I really like. Yep. Picks up towards the end. Um, plucky in the beginning. Yeah. So th- this song, I, my note for this was, it sounds like it should be on disc two of in your honor. Yeah. Yeah. Until the end where it like kind of picks up. Although no, nah, there, there is a couple songs like that at the end, but uh, yeah, absolutely. This song, this, uh, ugh, this song would fit right in with that second half of the last album. There's an epic guitar solo at the end of this, too. Love the guitar solo at the end of this, man. So fucking cool. Yeah, and some of the lyrics, like, for this one, like, sterilized with alcohol, I could hardly feel me anymore. Like, it, it gets pretty deep. No reason left me to survive. You saved me the day you came alive. It's it's about, you know, like, the birth of, like, your child. Damn. Yeah, it's heavy, man. It sounds like this this whole album gets a little heavy. Yeah, Just definitely. Lyric, lyrically. Um, yeah, ly- lyrically, this is a great album. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Let's see. Oh, Stranger Things Have Happened. Just got this, like, plucky cowboy song. Um, fine. Again, could could kind of fit into the last second half of the last album. It's good. Yeah, I, I like this one. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I read a uh, Reddit thread about this from this one guy who's wrote about the song, that this is a song about a man thinking about his friend that's no longer around. He did, like, a deep dive breaking down all the lyrics. That was really cool. Uh, I like this song a lot. Yeah, good stuff here. Um, cheer up, boys. Nothing else to say. Just same old. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything on that one. Uh, summer's end. Little southern rocky, but still Foo Fighters. Again, where I'm talking about, they're they're bringing in pieces. They're not. They're not doing something completely different. They're just bringing in snippets and pieces of of other stuff into their sound. Cool song here. This this is one of my favorites off the album. This is um, a song about lovers who part ways but agree to meet again in the summer. And, uh, you know, kind of not knowing, like, will things pick up again in the summer and, like, relationship-wise and just struggling with, like, the coldness of loneliness in, in winter for, like, the payoff of, of a great summer. Yeah. Um, lyrically, it expresses a feeling of anticipation, nostalgia, uh, kind of all that all that good stuff. Yeah, gotcha there. So, the I next really song's like this one. weird. Um, so, I know you're not a huge Led Zeppelin fan, but this kind of feels like a like a Zeppelin song that they would throw into an album where it's just this, it, there's no vocals on the next song. It's Ballad of Beaconsfield Miners. Uh, Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners. Yeah, acoustic only. Acoustic only, but it's like, uh, do you, it sounds like there's banjo on this. It sounds like they're playing banjo on this album, or on this song. Uh, it might be guitar. It probably is guitar, but it's got that like kind of high-tempo banjo sound to it. Yeah, so I, this, this didn't really fit for me in the album 
But uh, when I looked this song up, it's actually dedicated to two Australian miners who were trapped underground for two weeks after a mine collapse in 2006. And when they were trapped, they requested an iPod with Foo Fighter songs to keep them company during, you know, being Yo, trapped. Yo, that's badass. Yeah, so, you know, obviously they wrote the song f- about them, and then Grohl invited them to a concert as, like, VIP guests. Hell yeah, that's fucking sick. I didn't know that. So the, s- the story behind the song is, is pretty cool. The song itself, like... It's fine. It's a short, no vocals, plucky, bit, like... Uh, folks song blues song i don't know yeah it's i'm not going out of my way to listen to listen to yeah, it yeah i wouldn't throw it on the playlist but it's a fun little interlude when you're listening through the album yeah for sure uh statues a uh, little southern rocky again kind of got some piano in the background here uh just a ballad another ballad I, yeah this is another one i really like it's uh a song about you know mortality comparing human lives to statues and how you'll be remembered once you die um this is one of my favorite songs yeah yeah good song here um but honestly uh what did i have here i just lost so uh, this is another one where it, it's acoustic and then it kind of picks up and rocks at the end of the song yeah uh, yeah same thing um song about doing better after a breakup after you get away from like a toxic relationship 100 percent. um I, l- I like this one more than statues i think but good good song here yeah and then it closes out with home which is uh very slow forgettable yeah very forgettable didn't have much here same um so that's echo silence patience and grace good album um this feels like nothing's changed the restaurant's just doing their thing they're they're crunching along uh continuing to to sell getting people through the door just plugging away good stuff yeah this uh after this album is sort of like the transition yeah, it's like the divider, like the first half of the Foo's catalog versus the second half. And uh, in the second half, they experiment a lot more with different sounds than the first half. Yeah, so if we decide to break this up into two episodes, uh, give us a little patience, everybody listening. Um, this may be a long conversation by the end of it, but um, if we decide to break this up into two episodes, this is probably a good cutting point. Yeah, which we should decide right now because we're at like an hour and 40, hour and a half. Well, I mean, we might as well just finish. Okay. The way I see it, we might as well just finish. But in terms of like producing, if we want to cut oh. this into, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Gotcha. Keep on listening. Like, subscribe, review. Um, subscribe. Please subscribe to the TikTok, to the Twitter, to the to the podcast page, whether on Apple or Spotify. Um, all the socials are at Flip the Record. Um, check us out. Like, subscribe, review. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Catch you on the next one.